Well, we're in a series on discipleship, and I'm glad that you are here. I do hope that you've had a wonderful holiday. It's caused me to lose my mind and not press print on the bulletin, so you got them by digital and not by physical. So it's like everything else in our world right now. You only get it digitally. You can't have a copy, so there you go. <laughs> I forgot. Okay, I got some days off. That was nice. <laughs> um <clears throat> If you've grown up in the pews or have been a Christian for a significant amount of time, uh, you've probably heard about the fruit of the Spirit. It's uh, something that gets talked about, a text that was uh, just read for us. And uh, sometimes I think it is interesting to consider the way that the Apostle Paul approaches this text. Uh, In the passage that Dathan read for his talk, you'll notice that it talked about this uh, making every effort to attain these things and, and to reach uh, these various qualities. But what is interesting to me is that is not how the Apostle Paul approaches it here. Uh, he comes at it a completely different way, and the contrast of which I think is very important. So we're going to kind of slow down in this section here regarding the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, where we'll be looking at verses uh, 22 through 26, and consider uh, what he says about the fruit of the Spirit. And, and some of these things I think are obvious, and yet we're kind of stepping into the obvious and, and considering what Paul means by these things. First, as you'll notice in verse 22, he speaks of the the fruit of the Spirit is. And and I think it is interesting that when you think about describing something as fruit, you are talking about an outcome. That's what fruit is. It's an outcome and not a pursuit. And I want you to consider that that idea because Paul could have said here in verse 19, the works of the flesh are... And then in verse 22 said, but the works of the spirit are, but he doesn't do that. And that would have been a very natural contrast. Don't do these things, but do these things. But that's not what he says. He says, I don't want you to pursue these things, but rather than gives a description of the fruit of the spirit, this outcome kind of imagery. Now we noted in our last lesson that when we talked about this section, that we shouldn't look about these things as like a do and do not list. We observed last week, this is not a do not list for a number of reasons. Major sins are missing from the list of the works of the flesh. And he also says, and things like these. In a similar fashion, this is not a sum total to do list. It's missing an awful lot of things uh, as well. But rather in talking about this being fruit, Paul is trying to get us to think about this in terms of an outcome process. Rather than approaching the text and saying, boy, here's all the things I need to do. He's looking at it more in terms of inventory and saying, I want you to look at your life and consider, do you see these characteristics existing in you? Now, I think that's important. When it comes to this imagery of fruit, imagine if you were wanting to plant some kind of fruit tree in your backyard. I know mangoes are popular here. We'll just go stick your mango tree back in the backyard. And you're really desiring those mangoes. Your goal is not to focus on fruit, but upon having a healthy tree that is going to produce the fruit. 
And that's an important distinction to be made. When the Apostle Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he's not here wanting you to focus on, here's all the things I want you to do, but to observe, are you having these kinds of qualities and characteristics in your life? Are you focusing on the health of the tree so that you see this outcome in your life? I think that's an important starting point that he wants us to do here is in talking about fruit of the spirit. And as you read these qualities of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that these are supposed to be outcomes. These are things that are supposed to be evident in our lives if we are disciples, if we're following him. In the same way, in the title of the lesson, I called the title of the lesson, There Is No S., And that is because it's not plural. It is interesting that he doesn't say the fruits of the spirit are these things. And you might say, well, that's just kind of getting, you know, nitpicky here, aren't you? I mean, it kind of just really getting down to some really minor details. Why are you getting so, so bent out of shape about that? But I think the singular is important because the idea of calling this works plural versus fruit singular is so that we would understand that those who are disciples don't produce just a couple of the qualities, but that we produce all of them. And the reason why that's important is because sometimes we can come to verse 22 and verse 23 and you'll read these qualities and you might say, all right, I have love. And I have joy and I have peace. Well, patience, not so much. And kindness maybe is okay. Goodness, all right, pretty good. That's not what Paul is doing is to say, now look at these characteristics and consider, okay, I'm hitting some marks on these and some of these over here. Because when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, sometimes we talk about it in terms of them being individualized. You know, I'm I'm hitting some of these, but not some of these. That one's good. That one, not so good. And when you talk about it being, though, a singular fruit, what Paul is trying to communicate is that the true follower of God has all of them. It is a singular fruit. You have all of these qualities put together as fruit of the spirit. I can't come to this and go, I have the fruit of the spirit because I've got four out of seven. Uh, I've got to have all of them. All of them are required if we're going to be the people of God. And so success then is not in observing a couple of the qualities, but Paul is calling for us to look at all of these characteristics and to see these characteristics as an outcome of truly walking by the Spirit. Or to say this another way, something is wrong if all of these traits are not found in the people who follow Jesus. Something's wrong. All of these characteristics combine together into a singular picture of the fruit of the Spirit. And then the third aspect, of course, is is that fruit is critical. This is implied by what the Apostle Paul is saying. But I want you to consider how often the scriptures use this kind of imagery to help us understand the necessity of us bearing fruit. Jesus said something like this. 
John 15, verse 8, My father's glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. That's an interesting way to say that. Here is how God is glorified in you. You bear fruit. And you bear a lot of it. And notice what else he says with that. That says something about us. Fruit bearing proves we're disciples. That's an important picture that I think Paul is trying to get at. When he says the fruit of the Spirit is these qualities. Therefore, take a step back, look at the qualities, because these qualities, if you see them in your life, glorify God and prove that you're disciples. And let me flip the coin over. Then if these qualities are not exhibited in us that we are looking at, we're not glorifying God, and we're proving that we're not his disciples. Jesus is very clear about the importance of being a fruit-bearing disciple. He said it another way in Matthew chapter 7 uh, and in verse 16. He says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? <clears throat> so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their traits. So Jesus, again, talks a lot about the implications and the importance of why bearing fruit is critical. And what the Apostle Paul is doing, I think, fits very much into what Jesus is talking about. The fruit that you bear shows what kind of tree you are. And that's the goal of what is happening here in this section. The works of the flesh are obvious and evident. You can look at your life, and if these are the things that you are practicing, that shows you're gratifying the desires of the flesh and not walking according to the Spirit. However, as you see the list here of what the fruit of the Spirit looks like, if these qualities are in your life, then that shows you're not gratifying the desires of the flesh, but you're walking by the Spirit. And so what God is trying to get us to do is take inventory for a moment, to take a step back, and to really look at our lives and consider what kind of tree we are. To say it this way, as Jesus said it, unhealthy trees don't produce good fruit, and healthy trees don't produce bad fruit. Now, sometimes, especially in our culture, we try to make that work. Yeah, I know they do a bunch of bad things, but they have a really good heart. No, they don't. Well, I know that they do all those things, but deep down, no. Healthy trees do not produce bad fruit. Bad fruit comes from unhealthy trees. There's just no way around that. There's just no possible way. You have never planted a tree, tried to get some kind of fruit, something else completely different comes and you go, well, that must be a normal tree. No, <laughs> something's wrong with the plant. Something's wrong with the tree. 
And that's what Jesus wants us to grasp. That's what the Apostle Paul wants us to grasp is that we would really be honest with ourselves at this moment and just look at our lives, look at the outcome, look at the fruit of our lives and understand this truth. If we are not producing the fruit of the spirit, there is something wrong with the tree. There's just no way around it. There's no way to say, well, I don't have those qualities. I see the works of the flesh, but I'm a healthy, good tree. You cannot say that. Something is wrong. And this is the Apostle Paul's warning flag to us to try to help us consider where we stand with God. Do we look at our lives and do other people see in our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness, All of them, not some of them, all of them on display. If not, something's wrong. If not, there's an issue. And so I think that's just so important for us is that if it's not observable, we're spiritually unhealthy. And sometimes when it comes to our walk with God, it's the kind of reality check that we have to take. Is because sometimes I can fool myself into saying, well, since I've got some of these, I'm doing a great job. I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm doing really well. And the Apostle Paul is coming in and going, actually, no. If all of these things are not on display, if they're not all observed, then something is terribly wrong. Okay. So let's talk about what not to do and then talk about what to do in regards to inventory. I hope you've done inventory now. We have last week's set of works of the flesh. This week's set, here's fruit singular of the spirit, outcome based. So here's what I do not want you to do because sometimes what our temptation to do is now to just focus on the lacking qualities. I just need to be more patient. So I'm going to work really, really hard and I'm going to be really, really patient. And I want us to see the way that the Apostle Paul words it is not in regards to, okay, I want you to try harder. And it's one of the things that I think you see Jesus trying to put his finger on when he would talk to the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees would have all of these externals. They would have all of these outward good works. And yet they were mistaken. They were false on the inside. Because the goal of just trying to be more patient is really just washing the outside of the cup. What you're trying to do ultimately is to say, when I'm around somebody, I'm going to put up a particular front, a facade of patience that I will then tear down the moment I walk away from them. And I'm not going to be patient for the other times of my life. But when I get around somebody, then I'll kind of put that patience facade up for a minute. That's washing the outside of the cup. And sometimes I believe that's why we don't succeed in trying to have the fruit of the spirit as an outcome. Is that we will look at things and we will just for a while try to put up an action. But after a while, that wears down. It's kind of the same ideas when I've talked to my daughters about when it comes to dating. Reason why you want to date for a significant amount of time is because you can put up a front for a pretty good while. But after so many, so much time, you can't anymore. The real you comes out. You can only hold it up for so long. 
And the same thing with this. You can fake these for a while. Oh, yeah, he's, that person's really patient because you see them for one hour a week. And they look like they've got that. And it's just a front. It's a facade. It's not what's coming from within. They're trying to show something that they're really not. And given time, that's going to break down. It's not about just focusing on an outcome and say, I've got to do seven, eight, nine things. And if I just do seven, eight, nine things, God's going, all right, you're great. Good to go. That's not the focus. Changing behavior doesn't fix the problem of being spiritually unhealthy. And I know you, you know this. How many people have you known in your life? who have put forward a particular front to you in the times they've been around you. And yet you are find out later some spiritual catastrophe has gone on on the inside. They played a part. They tried to put up a particular veneer, but inside what turned out was all gross. That's what Paul is trying to keep us from is not just simply focusing on an external, but to observe what can we do then so that fruit is born as the outcome of who we are as the people of God. So two things you'll notice the apostle Paul gives as what we're supposed to do. Verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I quickly hit this last week. I want to bring it back in again because it is so important to what the scriptures are telling us to do. If we are going to observe fruit or if we're going to be this healthy tree that God wants us to be, then there needs to be a killing of the passions and the desires of the flesh. I used an image for you pulling weeds last week. I'm going to bring it back this week. You must pull the weeds out of your life. What is going to happen to your healthy plant if you allow the weeds to grow up all around it? It's not going to stay a healthy plant anymore. This is why verse 24 is telling us something very important is that you must then put these desires to death because they are going to choke out. The healthy plant. It's going to keep us from being what God wants us to be. And Jesus told a parable like that. Jesus told a parable. And he talked about a sower going out and sowing on these various soils. And you might remember one of them has the seed going into the ground. But then it says how the thorns and the thistles all began to wrap around the plant and choked out the word so that it died. And that's the essence of what the Apostle Paul is trying to picture for us. In fact, go back to verse 17 and you see that he did that. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And here is this big line that we highlighted For these are opposed to each other. Remember what we said. The two cannot coexist. 
And yet we try and try and try to have these two coexist. And then we wonder, why are we not bearing fruit? Why am I not doing better at having more love and joy and patience and peace and kindness and goodness? Because we have weeds choking it out. We are allowing sins and desires to remain in our hearts and remain in our lives in such a way that we're not going to be able to bear fruit. And so I hope that we would picture that the weeds are actually killing our spirituality and killing the joy that we're supposed to be able to have in Christ. And so often we don't look at our sins that way. We don't look at our desires that way. We don't look at these passions and these lusts in that way. But we have to identify the weeds, identify these desires of the flesh that we have, that we are allowing to continue to grow within our hearts in such a way so that they're choking out the very word that God is trying to grow this plant so that fruit can be born. Second picture, verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, have you read that and thought that sounds redundant? I've read that so many times. I thought that is a really strange way to say it. It almost sounds like you're saying if you live by the Spirit, I want you to live by the Spirit. If you live by the Spirit, then let's keep step with the Spirit. But the phrase keep step really does a, a good job at reflecting what the Greek is communicating. It is a word that was used in terms of matching the steps of a leader. It was even used in a military term and a a concept that we would understand very well of a march that keeps step with the cadence. A number of years ago, we got to go to uh, the Washington, D.C. area and go to the tomb of the unknown soldier. And of course, one of the things you want to do in when you are at the tomb of the unknown soldier is to watch the transition that happens between the soldiers of who's who's watching. So you try to time it out to see that happen. And everything that they are doing is matching a cadence that is being shouted. They don't just come walking in. Hey, all right. Hey, let's see. All right. Let's change. There is a serious cadence march that they're stepping to. And when somebody says, yells out a word, then the guns do a certain thing. And then somebody else yells another word, and then they turn. And then it, there is this keeping step picture. That's what this word is driving at. If we are walking by the Spirit then let us keep in step with the Spirit. There is a marching mentality that is being pictured. And the cadence that is being given to us is God himself. The idea is when he says, go here, go there, do this and do that, we don't sit back and go, well, you know, let me think about that. It's an amazing thing to watch when you see an army march. How do you get all of those people to all hit their feet at the exact same time, with the exact same leg, at the exact same moment? How do they always turn at the exact same time and move their guns at the exact same time and do all those things? Because they don't sit back and go, when the guy says whatever word he says, they all go, well, let me think about that a minute. I'll decide if I want to move my gun like that or not. 
I'll decide if I will start with that foot or not. I'll decide if I'll keep that step. You just keep step with the cadence. That's the imagery that Paul is trying to give to us. Is that there is not going to bear fruit if we're not matching steps. When God says step here, here's how to step, here's where to go. And we don't follow those steps. Don't be surprised that there's no fruit. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. We're creating unhealthy truths. That's the imagery that's given to us in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. We live in a culture right now where what we are told or implied or the air we breathe is that the disciples tell God where we step. Here's how I want to follow him. I will step this way. I will do this. I will believe this. I will act this way. Here's my steps and I'm going to get God to conform to my cadence. As if we get to tell God what the marching orders are. As if we get to tell him what the steps are going to be. That's where our religious world has moved to. Notice Paul says, no, he's God. (laughs) We're not. He tells us the steps. He tells us the cadence. If he says march here, we go, okay. If he says that's the way to go, all right, that's how we're going to go. You get a sense of that with the disciples if you think about it. Remember when Jesus says, okay, everybody, we're going to go to Jerusalem. And one of the disciples says, you know we're all going to die if we do that. Jesus goes, we're going to Jerusalem. I love Thomas. All right, let's go die with him. <laughs> Nobody goes, yeah, I don't like that cadence. Let's go over here. We're not doing that one. Okay, you, Jesus, you take Jerusalem. We'll do Galilee. <laughs> no, Jesus is marching the cadence to Jerusalem. We're going to go to Jerusalem. If he says die with him, we're going to die with him. That's the mentality that the Apostle Paul has. And I think it's important for us to break down sometimes that idea that we have with God is we tell him the terms of the covenant. We tell him when we're comfortable taking the steps. We'll follow the marching orders if we like the marching orders. The Apostle Paul says that's not going to bear fruit. And you will see unhealthy trees producing the works of the flesh if we are not marching in step with exactly what God has revealed for us to do. So in conclusion, then what I want us to think about A little bit of a strange lesson in this way. I really want you to take inventory. This is really what I want you to do today and to do this week. Is just consider the characteristics that you are reading about in verses 22 and 23. And I want you just to really be honest. And I want you to be honest with all of it. If these qualities are not things that are seen in us, we're not walking by the Spirit. We're not in step. We're not on the cadence. We're walking over here somewhere. And we're not marching to the drummer that God has given to us. And that just requires honesty. That requires you and your heart and these pictures And seeing what God has revealed. 
and realizing that there is something that is truly wrong if these things are not within us. These things need to be seen and ever increasing, as Peter described in his second letter there. Growing and growing and flourishing and growing all the more and seen in us as we bear fruit for God. Now, here's the good news. I think this is the real tremendous, exciting news that is given to us here. Life transformation will happen if we pull out the weeds and keep in step with the Spirit. The imagery of fruit is very powerful. You don't have to do anything to cause a fruit tree to bear fruit if it's healthy. You don't have to do anything. If you have a healthy fruit tree, it's just going to do it. It has to happen. And that is the beauty of what is being described for us. Life transformation is possible. To say it another way, when you look at verses 22 and 23, that can be you. All of those things can be you. You can have that as the outcome of your life. People can look at you and see those things. This is not a list of impossibilities. This can absolutely be you if you pull the weeds out and focus on being the healthy tree. That is walking according to the spirit. If you will have a healthy heart, a healthy mind, the fruit must come. It is unstoppable. It has to happen. If you grow and plant yourself in the will of God and in the word of God and walk by the spirit of God, you have no choice but this outcome to take place. And that's the exciting news. But let me give one disclaimer. Constant patience. You cannot go outside tomorrow, remove all the weeds, put down the fertilizer, put some water on the tree, wake up tomorrow and go, why don't I see fruit? Come on, I I pulled out the weeds and I put the water on it and I gave it the food that it needs. What? Time, right? Time. So often we quit in this pursuit because we give it a day we give it a week and we give it a couple of weeks. We go, well, I just don't see this massive transformation. And so we give up back to the works of the flesh. We let the weeds grow up again. It is a constant patience of every day. Get the weeds out. Every day, feed that plant. Every day, water that plant. And if every day you will focus on keeping step with the spirit and keeping the weeds out, this will come. It has to. But don't get mad tomorrow when you don't see it. But a persistence in devotion to God every day is going to let us do that. And I pray then that we will let God cause that transformation within us and be honest when the fruit is lacking so that we can go back to the heart back within us and see, okay, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. What needs to be changed? How can I be fed by the word of God so that I can be what God wants me to be? Let's go to God in prayer.
Heavenly Father, first I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be honest with where we stand in terms of the fruit that we are bearing and that you would help us to see if we are healthy or unhealthy trees and help us to see if we are bearing the fruit of the Spirit or not. And Lord, I pray that as we examine ourselves carefully this morning, that you would give us the courage to pull the weeds out of our lives and remove the obstacles and the sins, the passions, the desires, anything that is interfering with us being able to produce the fruit you want us to produce. And Lord, help us to see if we are not keeping step with your call with your march that you want us to march to. Lord, we pray that we would submit ourselves to where you tell us to step and how you want us to step. Forgive us for when we have decided that we would keep the sinful weeds in our hearts and forgive us for when we have decided that we could march to our own beat. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to focus on growing a tree that would bear fruit to give you glory and to prove that we are your disciples. And so God, I pray at this time that as we honestly reflect that you would help us see what we need to see, give us the courage to change what we need to change. And Lord, we pray that we could be fruitful people in your service, that you would transform us into who you want us to be, and no longer be like those in the past who are, who are serving their own desires, but rather people who are serving you. We pray this through your Son, our Savior Jesus, and amen. amen. I hope you'll take inventory of that. And I hope that you'll look at the fruit of the Spirit in a different way today. That it won't just be, well, here's what i got to do, but to really look inside and think, what's wrong? Why are these things not coming out of me, and what can I change? in my life so that it gives opportunity for that tree to produce the fruit that God wants it to produce. We're singing an invitation song here in just a moment to invite you uh, to come to Jesus. If you have not given him your life, today's the day to do that before it's too late. That he can change your life and make you fruitful in his service if you will give yourself to him before it is too late. And if you are one that you say, I have just not been been living my life in a way that would make me fruitful, that you would change that today. You would really give yourself the opportunity today to make the transformation in your life by getting the weeds out and considering the way God wants you to walk. Do that today before it's too late. And if we can help you, won't you come now while we stand and while we sing?